Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Brady Testorf. I'm the pastor here at the Calling Community Church. Excited that you're here. We have a, a guest uh, speaker today, um, and I'll have the other Brady introduce him here in just a minute. And we're excited that he's here. It's going to be a good, good word today. Real quick, I wanted to just say, wasn't it was an awesome worship team, right? Give it up for the worship team. Amen. And uh, they, listen, here's, it's amazing. They get here on Sunday morning, and they put all, to get, all that together in about an hour. And God's good, and it's amazing. And I just wanted to recognize today is the official third anniversary of Tony Flahar being our worship leader. So stand up, Tony. Stand up, Tony. One of the things that makes Tony such a great leader is that he does not want any of the recognition because he didn't even stand fully up, all right? He's like, set me in the back. Don't even put a light on me, like an extra bright light on him today. But So three years ago, we met, um, or a little before that, we met, and we had a cheeseburger, some fries, and a Coke at Five Guys, and boom, here he is, all right? So God knew exactly what he was doing because that was a good cheeseburger, and it's a good friendship. So very good. Uh, real quick, if you are a guest or visitor with us, we pass out bulletins. We give those to you for a reason so you have all the information that you need, plus tear off that little piece. I want everybody to tear that off. I want you to fill that out, and uh, if you have a prayer request, put it on the back. If you have a, something you want us to know, put that on the back too, and please drop that in the offering basket as you leave today uh, at this door here, and then we have a basket at this door here. That also goes along with your offering. If you came prepared to give an offering today, thank you for doing that, and please place that in the envelope, place it in the basket as you finish up uh, your time with us this morning. But th those tear-off sheets are really important, especially to me, because then I get to see your name. I know you're here. I get to connect with you. And please uh, help, help us make that happen. If you are a guest or a visitor and you have some more questions after the service, there is a welcome table out and to the left. And we have a gift for you. And uh, we're going to have some neat ministry time at the end of the service today. But if you want to hang around, I'll meet you there after the service is over. And we'll talk then. But uh, I think... I think that's it. I think that's all the, the stuff. At the end of the service day, by the way, I just want you to know we have some, some stuff we really want to just be praying about today. For one, my two daughters uh, are going on a mission trip to Guatemala, and they leave early tomorrow morning. Huh? Oh, Josh, is he here? Where's is Falter? Are you here? There he is. All right. Yeah, we need to especially be praying for Josh that he is able to, to be on that airplane, and uh, he's got some passport stuff, so we need to make sure that God just covers that. And Courtney, Courtney here too? Oh, man. Hi, Courtney. Courtney, I love your smile. She's awesome. But anyway, so four, uh, four kids going on this Guatemala mission trip through the Baptist Student Union, through their university uh, up in Missouri Western. Anyway, so we're going to pray for them today and send them off. All right? And so I'm excited about the word that you have today, Hal. And I'm going to let Brady introduce you because Brady knows you a little bit better than I do. And then, uh, then share with us. Good morning. Can you hear me? So I'm really excited uh, to introduce Hal. He is a great friend. He is a mentor, and I consider him a spiritual father. I first heard him preach by accident. was not even the church that we went to. I first heard him preach in uh, August of 2001. And that message so impacted me, 
that I got the cassette of that sermon and I listened to it until I wore it out. Literally. I listen, it, a cassette will give you about 35 rounds and then it's worn out. And I was so impacted by his message that it really forever altered the course of my life. And without any further ado, Helen Hart. Yeah, thank you, Brady. Thank you. Uh, let me also pray if I could. <clears throat> Join me. Heavenly Father, help me to speak uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, Brady and uh, Trish. Thank you very much for the invite. Like Brady said, he doesn't really know me, so he's really banking that the other Brady in this church might be right. <clears throat> so if you like what I say, then I'll receive all those accolades. If you don't, it's that other Brady's fault. Okay. Uh, handouts. Let's get them out. Are they already out? Okay. Yeah, pass them all out right now if you would. I'll just um, <clears throat> say a few general things, and then uh, we'll get into this Bible teaching on knowing and fulfilling your calling in God. And I love the name of your church. I mean, it's kind of, I've never known a church with that name. I think it's unique in all the United States. Is it not? Whatever. <clears throat> I think God likes it. Uh, I got stirred up within the last year on the topic of calling, and it's my firm conviction that we have general callings all across the board if you're a believer in Jesus, but I also believe that each one of us has a particular calling in God. You have to go deep enough in God to figure out what it is, but I believe everyone has a general and a particular calling. We're going to talk about that today. Let me tell you a little bit more about myself just so you know who in the world is talking to you. Uh, I've been saved since 1972, and I've been in the ministry the last 40 years. Uh, my wife, Diane, we have five adult children, and a day and a half ago, we had our 10th grandchild born, to, uh, and she's a little girl, so I got six grandbaby boys, and, yeah, and four grandbaby girls, so we're, uh, we're rich in, in, in all kinds of ways in Jesus' name. Uh, so what else? I pastored three churches uh, in the Kansas City area. I did that for 23 years. And then in 2001, I joined a ministry here in Kansas City called International House of Prayer out in the Grandview, Missouri area. And I switched from uh, the pastorate to the evangelist calling. And I joke and say I'm the quintessential late bloomer because I was 50 years old when I figured it out that my primary calling is an evangelist. And you can have a measure of success in other things, like I did in the pastoral world, but really, ugh, my calling was different. So that's a, that's, a, um, that's a blank check for everyone here. You can have, be successful in what you're doing right now, and God's even pleased with what you're doing right now, but are you in... First of all, do you know, and are you in, and are you fulfilling a particular calling that God has for you? If you have kids, you know that they're, they're so different, oh, so different. And so you're unique to God, and the particularities about your children are just an example of the particularness that God has on you and what he wants to do with you. Okay, there we go. Now, as somewhere 
in your vast building here, I brought a few materials. I'm an evangelist, and so uh, I, I always carry literature with me. And there's 10,000 times 10,000 pieces of gospel literature. So you find one you like, and then carry it with you, and I'll guarantee you, if you carry it with you, the Holy Spirit will tap you on the shoulder as you go into public, as you leave the walls of the church, and say, give that to them. And you'll actually be doing some of the initial basics of what it means to be a witness for Christ. Also, I know a number of people who have been to heaven and came back, or went to hell and came back. Uh, They're personal friends, and they're solid Bible-believing Christians. God just gave them a biblical spiritual experience. And so I brought one of the CDs of one of these people, a guy named Bill Weiss. It's entitled 23 Minutes in Hell. I think I brought about 15 or 20 copies, and they're somewhere. They're right here. Okay, yeah, if you want any of this jazz, it's right up there. And then if you want to stay connected to me, I would be delighted to put an email in your email box once a month. Does anybody not have enough emails already? I'm talking to you. Anyway, fill this yellow card out, and we'll stay connected. And then the organization that I've been heading up for the last couple of years is called Kansas City Evangelist Fellowship. And the day's going to come that in Kansas City, there will be 1,000 evangelists doing the work of an evangelist. Uh, some of you <clears throat> tell people that I'm an evangelist, and they say, exactly what is that? Uh, so I say, Billy Graham... Large evangelist, you know, how itty-bitty little evangelist. But it's the same calling. You just talk about Jesus everywhere you go. We have a little motto that we, uh, of the Kansas City Evangelist Fellowship. <clears throat> and I double-dog dare you to say this with me in just a moment. Okay. It's I can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime about Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it one more time. I can talk to anybody anywhere, anytime about Jesus Christ. Now, just pretend that's true, okay? Little, come on, little liturgical response reading here. Come on, work with me, church. Come on, say with me, here we go. I can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime about Jesus Christ. A little more vigor, a little more from the diaphragm. Come on, here we go, one more time. I'm pushing, I know I'm pushing it, but that's what evangelists do. Because most of the church is quite sleepy, quite honestly. Here we go. I can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime about Jesus Christ. Now, if you were playing darts, the bullseye would be that statement, if it's an evangelism dartboard. Can you imagine Jesus Christ saying, well, you know, I just, I don't think I can do that. No, Jesus could talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime about The kingdom of God. Well, who lives inside of you by the new birth that you've experienced? Christ Jesus. He's the teacher of Israel. He's the prophet that tells the future. And he's the evangelist that proclaims the good news. He lives inside of you. That would have been a great place for an amen. I'll beg for amens today. Okay. So there you go. Now take out your teaching notes and uh, hopefully these will be a benefit to you. I want to start off with the, the general idea that everyone has the same calling in God in a lot of areas. Let's read it together there. God's calling for all believers. Every one of us has a glorious calling to know God, 
walk in holiness and bear fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, to listen for and then obey God's voice, study and know His Word. You got the Logos, which is the Scriptures. You got your Rhema, which is the the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're all called with these same things. Uh, We're called to serve the Lord with gladness and develop faith, hope, love, to be a witness to pray without ceasing, give generously, and gather with the saints in worship, etc., etc., etc. Now, we know these are all the general, uh, yet extremely important callings that God has for anyone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, because I'm an evangelist, I talk with people all the time. I'll talk to 20, 30, 40 people a week just as I go about my business, uh, Walmart, dry cleaners, you know, grocery store. And I found out that uh, there's a whole lot of people that are born again. I mean, there's a whole lot of people. Because I qualify quickly. I say, I say uh, I'm a believer in Jesus. I was just curious whether you were. They go, yeah. I said, really? That's wonderful. Uh, have you had that born again experience? And they go, yeah. I said, great. Tell me about it. And so they tell me how they came to Christ. I would say at least half of the people I talk to every week have met God. I mean, God's been busy in the American culture for a long time. Then I say, here's the coup de grace. I said, that's wonderful. Where do you go to church? And then this curtain drops between me and them. It's like I just started speaking with a Jehovah's Witness. And they said, well, I, um, I don't really go to church. I said, oh, really? How come? And I already know their response. When I ask the how come question, well, I work on Sunday, or uh, it's my only day I get to rest, or I just haven't found the, the right church, and on and on and on. I say, oh, how long you been looking? Four years. <laughs> and having been a pastor 23 years, I know that the oldest trick in the devil's book is to get people to stop going to church. And for most Christians, this is a sad commentary, for most Christians, the high watermark in their week spiritually is they went to church, they sang some songs to Jesus, someone else spoon-fed them some scriptural food, and they touched other Christians. Now, I don't know how much you get out, but I get out. My ministry is outside the church walls. I talk to people all the time, and that's a pretty fair assessment of the church in America, for the most part. There are some great saints. I'm sure they're all gathered today in this room. You got an amen on that one. Thank you. (laughs) But the mother mother folk, you know, that say they're Christian, they are not living for God. By even the most simple criteria, they're not going to church. They're not fellowshipping with saints. They're not reading their Bible. They're not praying with any intensity and effectiveness, and there, I guarantee you, they're not witnessing for Jesus. So it's kind of like, oh, the churches, you know. So the preachers have a big job. First of all, keep you on fire, get you on fire, and then keep you on fire, and then somehow motivate you enough to have a depth of relationship with Jesus that you talk about him wherever you go. Now, some of you ladies are married. Remember back when you got engaged? And that gentleman gave you a ring, and you became left-handed in everything you do? Because you were proud of the fact that somebody liked you, yea, loved you, 
wanting to care for you and protect you and provide for you and, and spend their life with you, you were to be wedded, be married. Now, who are we as the church? We're the bride of Christ, right? You know that metaphor? It's more than a metaphor. When you get to heaven, you're going to find out you really are the bride of the heavenly bridegroom, Jesus. And the, the doggone Bible starts with a marriage, and it ends with a married supper. You could interpret much of the Bible with the metaphor of he's the bridegroom and the covenant people of God are the bride, and it's a romance between God and you. How passionate is your romance to Jesus? I guarantee you, his passion for you was displayed on the cross. That's how much he loves you. He hung naked in a marketplace and suffered excruciating pain to demonstrate his love for you while you didn't even care a twit about him. So the, the thing about life is not does God love me. I mean, that's, that ought to be settled, period. If you look at the cross, God loves me. Zero doubt. I don't care if you have an auto accident, you have a financial reversal, you have a terminal illness. That doesn't change the fact that God loves you. You want a real question? Here's a real question. Not does God love me, but do I love God? Whoa, now there's a real question. And of course, our love is to be demonstrated in the same way Christ demonstrated his love for us. And so the things that I've mentioned here, this, the callings for all believers, that's how you tell God you love him. It's not an emotion. Emotion may come along, but that's not the engine on the train. The feelings are the caboose, and they're good if the train's going the right direction. God knows everything, but we demonstrate our love to him by these general callings. Now, here's some Bible verses for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. <clears throat> Let me tell you a little story. <clears throat> I think the preacher needs a drink of water. Somebody help the boy. Thanks. Um, I was a college student and got saved in 1972, and about two weeks after I got saved, I got a call from a sociology graduate student. Here you go. Thank you very much. Let me unscrew it for me, brother. You know how that is. I've got a microphone in one hand. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So I got a call from this sociology graduate student, and she said, I'm doing a term paper for my graduate work on the, the religious views of Missouri University college students. Would you like to take my survey? I said, sure. So I went in, and she said, well, what religion are you? I said, well, I'm a Christian. I was 21 years old. She said, well, why did you choose Jesus? And I went brain dead. I mean, nothing was in the cerebral lobe at all. And I was embarrassed. I had, I had no answer. Why did I choose Jesus? And then I heard this voice. It was so loud, I thought she'd said it. No. And the voice said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So I just said what I'd heard. And then a month later, I'm a brand new convert. I'm reading along in the Bible, John 15, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you that you should go and bear fruit that remains. That's a calling. That's not just unique to me. It's John 15. If you're sitting here and you're one of the covenant people of God 
and you're doing your best to believe in him and try and serve him, he chose you. The bridegroom asked you to marry him. He chose you. So the calling of God is just, the calling is kind of, not to overstate it, what Christianity is all about. Number two, it says he called them to himself and began speaking. Now there's much more in the text than that, but the point of it is, Jesus sitting down on a hillside and he calls select people to himself, he begins talking to them. The general callings are magnificent. God wants to sit down with you today. More than just this little sermon. (laughs) Forget your politics. Say the president calls you today. Could you find room in your schedule to answer the phone? Or he's in Kansas City at the Marriott. Could you maybe find it within your energy level and your schedule? Yes, you'd go. Of course you would. God wants to talk to you this afternoon. Okay, he's called you to himself. Number three, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Okay, not according to our works. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I know the Bible says days fast approaching when I will stand before God and give an account of myself to him. Every man shall uh, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, wherein he will receive exactly what he deserves according to his deeds. Now, if you make a study of the judgment day to come, which is, by the way, the number one topic in the whole Bible, judgment day and all that encompasses it is mentioned three times more often than any other topic in the Bible. It's as if God's trying to say something to you. You know, the, the, what's the earthly proverb? All roads lead to Rome. Because it was so massive. Oh, all roads for, the, for every human being that's ever breathed, be he saved or unsaved, leads to the judgment day of Christ. And so that's why it says, God says, I called you to a holy calling. If there's an active sin in your life, you want to get rid of it because you don't want to have to try and answer for it on that day. Now, we know the blood of Jesus, when we cry out to him in confession, cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Amen? 1 John 1, 9. But there's no reward for having lived in sin when the Holy Spirit's been convicting you of that problem and you let it live. That's called willful sin, which is not a good thing at all, according to the book of Hebrews. So you want to get it all cleaned up, keep it all cleaned up, so that you can walk in the calling of holiness. Now, I've lived in sin, and I've lived in holiness. Holiness is much better. Now, you think, I've been, I've been poor, and I've been rich, and rich is better. You know, well, holiness is better. You'll enjoy life, which is such a temporal, superficial motivation. <laughs> You're 70, 80, 90 years, you know. A lot, of our, a lot of our gospel presentation to the lost world is, hey, Jesus will give you a good life. I mean, your family will get stabilized, your finances will be on the uptick, and, and your kids won't be quite as rascally. 
Well, okay, okay, that, that's all good. But that's not what the gospel's about primarily. It's about a sinner who's going to bust hell wide open because he has no righteousness. The best attempts he has are just filthy rags. But through faith in Jesus, you can have eternal life. You can actually walk face to face with the Almighty and not be consumed. That's what the gospel, that's the good news. Okay, I am get, I'm not getting to my subject here very well, but I'm preaching, so whatever that amounts to. Number four, consider your calling. This is talking about being saved. This is general. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. Okay, you're the low-rent people of the earth. That was supposed to be a joke, but no one laughed. I didn't even see a smile. But that's okay, because God chooses the things that are not, the foolish, the base, so that those who think they're actually something may be shamed. God's chosen you, and it's a calling on your life. Number five, I pray the eyes of your, light, your heart may be enlightened so you might know what the hope of this calling is. In a general sense, if you believe in Jesus, then the goal of your life should be to be like Jesus. What's that in the bracelet, WWJD? What would Jesus do? WDJD, what did Jesus do? That's good theology. That's really good theology. And you can go a long ways with that simple little phrase because the goal of God's calling, the hope of your calling, is that you end up looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. Okay, and number five, number six, it says walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And when you start talking about calling, a lot of times you get all jazzed up and get all exercised, but then he brings it back to reality. He says, if you want to fulfill your calling, you want to walk worthy of it, walk with humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance. That means when you're really, really irritated, showing tolerance for one another in love. Okay, so those are some of the uh, verses that support the idea that we have a general calling with God. Now, suppose you don't want to go God's way. Uh, there's a calling for those folk, too. Foolishness. Proverbs says, foolishness, a calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. If you watch much TV, then you have heard the calling of foolishness, that siren song of seduction that pulls you away from things that are godly and holy. Don't let foolishness and its calling uh, be listened to at all. Uh, number, another point, callings have permanence. This is interesting. The gifts and the calling of God irrevocable. In other words, when you discover what your spiritual gifts are, there's 26 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. The gifts have not passed away. They are just as valid today as is Jesus today. The church needs the strength and the empowerment of the gifts so that you can fulfill your calling. We have a desperately wicked world. And the way God wants to impact them is partially through the gifts he gives you to share with them. And those gifts are irrevocable. You get them, you got them. And then the calling, if you discover it, and it doesn't change. God adds to it possibly, but it doesn't change which is kind of exciting to know something that's that permanent. Now, here's a thought. Limited spiritual activity. For example, you pray. Everybody's called to pray, right? Everybody knows that. If you pray a lot, then you have a ministry of prayer. 
But there are some people who have the office of intercessor. Now, I'm out at IHOP, International House of Prayer, and it's collected people from all over the world. And there are some intercessors there. They're, uh, they're Annas and Simeons in the temple. You know, Anna, she lost her husband, and then she spent the rest of her life in fastings and prayer in the temple. That's an intercessor. There's some people like that at IHOP. They, they spend long hours in intercession. Okay, so that's, so you catch the, the, uh, the levels I'm talking about. Limited spiritual activity, everybody's called to pray. You do much of it, you get a ministry of prayer, Then there's some people who it's their life calling. Another example, give. Everybody's supposed to give, right? I saw a tithe envelope in the bulletin, I thought, that's what the Bible says to do. You know, you don't want to rob God by not tithing. You want to be a giver. It's like a farmer. We sang a song about seed time and harvest. If you, don't, if you sow sparingly, God makes you a promise. He loves you. You'll, you'll harvest sparingly. You sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. It's just the law of sowing and reaping. So everybody's called to give. Some people just, they get bit by the generosity bug and they give all the time. Let's just say money for right now, not time, not other, just say money. And they have a ministry of giving, and they get known as a person who just gives a lot. But some people, it is their actual calling to be a giver hilariously. My wife is one of those people. She would give away the farm once a month. God had her marry me to restrain her. Actually, I've been influenced more by her than she by me. Some of you are that way. You know it's better to give than it is to receive, and you've got testimonies of the joy of the Lord that came to you. Some of the husbands are looking at their wives, even as I speak, I can tell. The joy of being a giver is unmatched if you're a giver. So, see, I'm trying to lead you down this primrose path wherein you say, okay, I have some general callings. Is it going to a particular calling while I maintain the general callings of God? This is the calling community. I have this thought, this might be the church. I've spoken, I don't know, about 15 or 20 churches this year, or in the last 12 months. And I, sometimes I teach on this. I say, wouldn't the best church in the whole world be a congregation of folk who own their general callings, the things that make for good health spiritually, and then they press into God long enough and deep enough to find out what their particular calling is, then every person fulfilling their particular calling in God and you being glad for somebody else's calling operating in them. And that's church. That is a church. So just one more example. Um, everybody's called to study the Bible, right? Study to show yourself approved, a workman who needs not being ashamed. Everybody called to read the Bible. If you read the Bible a lot, then your little cup's going to overflow. And you're going to have some verses and some scriptural thoughts that you just sort of inadvertently share with people because that's what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. If you don't find yourself speaking scripture and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to people, it's because there's not much in your heart. That's what Jesus said, don't blame me, don't shout me down. Jesus said that. Okay, but if you study to show yourself approved and you, and you enjoy giving out biblical truth to people in a kind, loving manner, 
it might be an indicator that you actually are called as a teacher of the word. You catch my drift here? This is good. This is better. And if you have a calling, that is what you want to do as the best in your life. And let me do the witness thing. Like I said, I was a pastor for 23 years. And, uh, I did witnessing. When I was a college kid, I did lots of witnessing. And then I realized I sort of have a little ministry here. I, I have a little ministry. But I discovered at age 50, I have an office. You know, the Ephesians 4, fivefold ministry offices. I'm an evangelist. And so the fulfilled life for me is to do the general stuff but then press into the calling of God that he's appointed for me from before the foundation of the world. And that's true for you just as much. So you catch my drift there. I've given you several categories down there, and that little um, uh, stair step is for everybody. Okay, turn it over. I completely lost track of time, but I think I got about 15 minutes. Is that right, Pastor? You give me 15? Okay, <laughs> I'm doing my best. Okay, read these verses with me. First of all, God's particular calling for the individual. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So once you actually get a word of the Lord about what your particular calling is, it's not over, it's just started. And I think that's exciting. And then the exhortation of Paul to the Colossians is, uh, if you know it, then make sure you fulfill it. Here's a, here's a scary thought. I have lots of scary thoughts. It's Judgment Day. And, whoa, that happened. How did I get here? It seemed like yesterday I was 12 years old. Now I've passed on to glory, and here I stand before God. And the books are opened. Yes, his name is in the book of life. Other books are opened. God asks you, did you know your calling? You go, ah, uh, not exactly, Lord. That's not a good answer because he didn't fail to give you a particular calling. Now, I got grace for everyone because I discovered it at age 50. Okay, but say you answer, yes, Lord, I knew my calling. I was called to the business world, the marketplace, to make as much money as I could, to give as much money as I possibly could. Or, you know, I was called... To be a generous, generous person, whether I had much money or not, that doesn't make any difference. Because if you're a giver, you just end up giving whatever you got. And God's going to say to those who said they knew what their calling was, did you fulfill it? And you don't want to say no. Because there's no reward for knowing the right thing to do and not doing it. But for those who fulfilled their calling, and the chief example is Jesus on the cross, final words, it is finished. He knew what his calling was, and he did it. Paul knew what it was. Apostle to the Gentiles and a writer of Scripture. He said, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not only me, but to all who love his appearing. Paul was not going to shrink back in shame 
at the appearing of Jesus. Why? Because he did what God called him to do. It says, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is not just a one-time mention. This is numerous places in the Bible. I don't think Timothy, to whom Paul was writing, really was an evangelist. I think he was an apostolic understudy. And he was schooled by the great apostle Paul. But Paul, in his exhortation to Timothy, said, hey, hey, don't forget, because everyone seems to forget there's lost people and they're not going to heaven, they're going to perish. Do the work of an evangelist. And so Timothy, as an apostolic figure, could not fulfill his calling unless he did some of the work of an evangelist. Then the third verse there, and this is really the verse that will bring it home and uh, will make it actually happen, that is the fulfilling of your individual calling. Paul said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Anybody here can say that? I mean, the speaker cannot say that. Yet Paul said it, and the Holy Spirit said, yep, that's true, write it down. So there's some people, there's a place in God that we're not now at, that God can take us there. And so your heart is so enlarged that you have the heart of Christ that would willingly let himself be cursed, nailed to a tree, bear the sin of others, be the sacrificial lamb. And Paul got there. Moses got there, which is interesting. It says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Well, that, that verse will pray a long time, won't it? Here's the connective phrase, so that. So that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. You know, it's like Paul had myopic vision. He knew his calling. He knew he couldn't count his own comforts and pleasures and desires of any importance, and he got to the place where he didn't so that he could finish his course and the ministry that Jesus had given him. I mean, I just, it makes me want to fall before the feet of Paul and say, Oh, my Lord, little L, not big L, how did you get there like that? Anyway, so there you go. There are some verses. Now, let me give you some examples as I race through this outline. Here's some Bible examples of individual callings. Abraham, he was called as the father of all who believe. Moses was called as the deliverer of Israel from Egypt and the giver of the law. Miriam and his, her brother Aaron were called as a prophetess and a high priest. Little Samuel was called as a prophet while still a child. David was called as a psalmist and the king of Israel, while Solomon, his son, was called to build the temple. Not David. Mary was called to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was called as the Son of God and Savior of the world. Peter was called as an apostle of the Jews, and Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. Philip was called as an evangelist. And there's, you know, we could list probably another 20 individuals who had particular calling in God. And the Scriptures are for our example. Do you know what your particular calling is in God. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm 
I bet Pastor Brady would do double backflips off of the stage if the day came when everyone in this congregation said, you know, i really been pressing into God, and I really want God more than I want life itself, and I think I know what my particular calling is. And it's more than just the five-fold ministry. Uh, like there's 26 spiritual gifts, and they kind of give you tips and clues as to what your calling is in God. One super healthy church. Individuals who are aflame with God's presence and God's purpose in their life. So let me just talk a little bit about evangelists, because I is one. And um, suppose, and this, you know, crowd this size, usually there's 5% or more who actually are evangelists. And as I preach as an evangelist, like a tuning fork begins to vibrate a little bit, and then if you're an evangelist, your little tuning fork begins to vibrate too. That's a calling of God. Here's some homespun definitions of what an evangelist is. See if this rings your bell. I like talking with strangers. About, you know, your mother told you don't talk to strangers. Your heavenly father says talk to strangers. I feel good when I witness for Jesus. When I go on prayer walks, they turn into evangelism walks. Anybody relating to that? The whole prayer walk thing became popular about 20 years ago, and I'd go on prayer walks, and I just couldn't walk past the person I was praying for. I had to stop and talk to him about Jesus. I long to see people get saved in church services. People tell me, I think maybe you're an evangelist. When I was those 23 years as a pastor, about every three or four years, someone would walk up to me and say, you know, Hal, I think you're really more of an evangelist than you are a pastor. They were seeing something that I couldn't see, so other people might see something in you that you don't really see. Listen, they might be speaking on behalf of God. Uh, so you go on a vacation or a recreational event or a family reunion, it's oh so much better when you get to talk with someone about Jesus. Hopefully this is ringing bells inside your heads. Uh, I find myself praying for lost people. And I like billboards and T-shirts and bumper stickers that give glory to God. Okay, I'm done. Let me tell you a final story. So I was a college kid, and Christians had been witnessing to me for four years. But I was so immersed in the alcohol and the drug and the immoral lifestyle, you know, it just kind of rolled off my back. But it stuck in my head a little bit. So I had some drug experiences that convinced me there is a spiritual world. Because you can get there that way, although I don't recommend it. And I discovered there is a God. I remember standing on top of the uh, ski mountain in Winter Park. And for the first time, seeing the snow-capped peaks against the crystal blue sky. And I was smitten. I said, whoa, this did not just happen. There must be a God. And other stuff happened I haven't got time to tell you. So these Christians are still talking to me. And they say, Jesus is the way. You know, Jesus is the way. And it really bugged me because I had, you know, demonic activity in my life. But I was believing in God now. So I'm walking home to my basement apartment on campus. And someone had just told me, you know, Jesus is the only way. So I say to God, God, these Christians are driving me crazy. They're always saying Jesus is the way. God, if that's true, you're going to have to show me. Open my eyes 
And the first thing I saw was a bumper sticker that said, Jesus is the way. That's how I got saved. So an evangelist, if they see something that is hopefully speaking to the lost multitudes, they go, oh, my heart leaps. And they kind of like the idea of putting a bumper sticker on their car. I have a whole theology on bumper stickers I won't get into right now. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> why don't you stand up? Would you do that? I know the pastor has some more he wants to share, but I, why don't you stand up? And if you think you are an evangelist, and you don't need to be 100% sure, but you think, you know, I think I might be an evangelist, why don't you just lift your hand up right now? Anybody in the group here? One. One, 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 one. I know you are, Brady. Anybody else? I think there might be only one. This is, this is blowing me out of the water. Who is that? Come on down here. Come on down. We're not going to embarrass you. Anybody else thinks they might be an evangelist? Come on down here. There's another one. Hopefully, you know, Billy Graham got saved on the fifth altar call. We'll, we'll drag it out as long as we possibly can. Anybody else think they might be an evangelist? Their heart beats with reaching lost people. Okay, I want to talk to you just a minute. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the church that is pursuing their corporate calling and their individual calling. And I pray for everyone here today that the Bible and the verses we've looked at would uh, be ruminated and thought about and meditated on until everyone in this room discovers their particular calling in God so that on that final day, they can say like you did, Jesus, it's finished. I did it. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. As the worship team gets ready to lead us in the last song, if you're, um, if you're going on the mission trip, we'll, we'll be praying for Emma too, all right? Why you go ahead and come, up, come on up if you're going on the mission trip. Trish is over here. You guys can, she's going to pray with you, okay? Um, where's Beth, Beth and Tony, if you are here, why don't you guys bring your family up? Um, Beth's son, uh, Cole, is um, getting ready to take on a new job where he's going to be working, um, pretty dangerous. He's a police officer, by the way, and he's going to be in an area where it's going to be pretty dangerous, and we were going to, I know, I know, right, okay, um, so his family's here. And so, if you if you have a particular bent to praying for uh, people in a, people in like the the first responders and police officers or whatever, we want to pray specifically for Cole Rush. Um, his wife actually got sick this morning, and the enemy works overtime. Like he was supposed to come to, for us to pray with him today, but his wife got sick and she ended up in the uh, hospital. Um, so, if you have a particular calling to pray for police officers, and you want to pray for Cole, and this is his family, come and pray. If you want to pray with the mission team um, Emma's included in that so you guys can come and pray like so we do all have a calling to pray right so we do ask you to come and just pray and then Amanda come on up Amanda is a dear friend of mine and uh, she just has some stuff going on in her life and she for one she is dealing with uh, Lyme's disease and it's such a debilitating disease that causes her to just be tired all the time I'm gonna, Amanda I'm going to have you come over here and I'm going to ask for people to come and pray for her, okay? And um, pray for her for healing. Um, just pray for, um, just be bold. Pray for her marriage, right? Just be, pray for her marriage. 
And um, yeah, Carrie, where are you at? Sweet little. Every crazy evangelist has a wife that's behind him rolling her eyes, going, where is he going now? What is he doing? How long are we going to be here in this store? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so Carrie's going to be praying for, for her. And so just if you have a heart just to see uh, healing to come and blessings in a relationship. And, you know, and here's the deal. We all come in with things we can be praying about, things we're, but there's power when we pray together, all right? There's that sense of just coming and giving. And uh, that is, that's who we are as a church. Whether you want to be it or not, that's who we are. We are praying church, and we are asking God to move and have his way. And so, Carrie, why don't you guys slide down a little bit. We can give some space. So we got Cole, for police officers, just praying for Cole, especially as he goes and, and seeks out this, this career and um, mission team over here. And then maybe you just want to come up later on and talk to Hal about, you know what, I didn't come up. I was just kind of shy. Well, first of all, we got to get rid of, get, get over that, all right? And he's got some materials he can give you. Um, that 23 Minutes in Hell CD, I've seen young people come to Christ. Just They didn't even get 23 minutes. It was like 15 minutes, and they were ready to give their heart to Jesus. So powerful stuff. So, um, so come as we sing. Come and pray. And so come on. <laughs> 